me to Philippians and chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, we'll be focusing on verses 9 to 11. But we will go ahead and read verse 1 to 11. In these verses, as we may remember from last time, um, the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi to remain united and to seek out the interests of others and not only their own. And in so doing, he has given Christ as the example, ultimate example of how Christ humbled himself uh, and to the point of death on the cross. And this afternoon, we'll be spending time reflecting on the fact that Jesus has been exalted and that he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. I was encouraged by the sermon this morning, and I think it fits very well with uh, the, the message for this afternoon in the Lord's providence uh, as, we talk about, as we talked about the Lord's name being hallowed in the Lord's prayer. We see in the verses that we'll be considering this afternoon that God has given Jesus the name that is above all names. And we'll see that this is not in contradiction, but rather it fits very well with what we saw in the Lord's prayer this morning. So if you're there, I'll begin reading from Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. This is the word of the Lord. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and, and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us turn to the Lord in prayer once again, shall we? Our holy God, Father in heaven, we worship you and we exalt you. We thank you for your word which is inerrant. We thank you for your word which we can read and that by the illumination of your Holy Spirit, we can understand and remember it. We pray that as we open up your word once again this afternoon, won't you speak to each and every one present here? Won't you make your words clear to us? And won't you be with me as I preach, that I would not err, that I would speak, not as of myself, but as one that has been sent from God. May your word 
go out and achieve the purpose for which you send it forth. For your word reminds us that when your word goes out, it does not return void. We pray that your word would encourage, rebuke, and strengthen us. And that if there are any under the sound of my voice who do not know you this afternoon, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would call them to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would give us physical strength, even as we have enjoyed a meal together. Help us to not feel weary in the body, but give us attentive minds. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We haven't been around long enough in, in, the, in the States to have witnessed a presidential motorcade passing through town. But I can speak of what the experience is like back in Zambia. When the president is about to pass, a few hours before, in fact, uh, you'll find policemen all along the route that the president will take. They mark off all the intersections and ensure that the route is safe for the president to pass. And then a few minutes before the president passes, you'll find that the one side of the road will be blocked off entirely from civilian traffic. Uh, this is to make the route safe for the president. Uh, obviously, it inconveniences civilians who will be stuck in traffic. But that route will be kept entirely for the presidential motorcade to pass. And once this is done, you'll find sweepers coming on motorbikes at high speed, going through and again checking that the route is safe. And then finally, for a mere seconds, you'll find the presidential motorcade comes by uh, with all the police cars and the president in the car, and he zooms past you, and then life goes back to normal. This is the nature of a presidential motorcade in Zambia. Well, a few years ago, we had a friend, a family friend, who was stuck in traffic and frustrated with traffic. He decided that he would go a different route. Now, I don't know how he missed that he was, uh, he was stuck in traffic because the president was about to pass, but just as he turned, one of the, the motorbikes where the policeman was was passing through, and he, he knocked the policeman, and the policeman went flying um, onto the road. Fortunately, his life was spared, but as you can imagine, uh, that uh, gentleman had to go to the police station and spend several hours being interrogated uh, because he was suspected uh, of putting the president's life in danger. And uh, he didn't have to spend the night in prison, but they, they interrogated him quite severely. Well, there's much that we could say about this incident, and, and that's not the main point of the reason I'm telling you this story this afternoon. But there is a protocol that needs to be followed, and in that case, the friend did not follow the protocol, and he got in a lot of trouble. Well, the Word of God tells us how we are to worship God. God has not left us to our own devices as to how we should worship Him. He has very clearly stated how God should be worshipped. We should offer our worship to God through Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. He does not leave it up to us to experiment or come up with our own ways to worship God. And so worship is to be offered to God through the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And the consequences are far greater than sitting in a prison cell for a few hours. Failing to render worship to God in the right way can have dire consequences, especially if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are worshiping other gods, 
then the consequences will have eternal significance. And so as we consider our passage this afternoon, verses 9 through 11 of chapter 2, Philippians, I want us to see that we should worship the risen Savior because he is exalted and because he is Lord. Worship the risen Savior because he is exalted and he is the Lord. We begin, first of all, looking at verse 9. In verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. As one author has said, when you see a therefore, you, you ought to ask, what is it there for? And that's probably something we've heard several times before, but it's helpful when we are in our Bibles and we're reading This is an important indicator that shows us that we should consider the preceding verses uh, in order to make further sense of what we are seeing in the verses we consider. And so the therefore here tells us that what has preceded uh, uh, when Apostle Paul has been talking about Jesus' death on the cross and how he humbled himself uh, to the point of submitting himself to death on a cross has an important connection to what we are seeing here in verse 9. In verse 9, we are told that God has highly exalted him, that is Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now, we don't want to take this, therefore, to mean that it's because Christ died on the cross, he earned this exaltation. We know that the Son of God was eternally the Son and that he was in heaven, exalted, even prior to his incarnation. We know this, that when he was incarnate in the flesh, he merely took on the human body, but he did not come into existence at that point. So this is the Jesus who has been exalted. And so we want to spend some time understanding what does it mean that Jesus was exalted by the Father following his death and resurrection? What does it mean that God has highly exalted this Jesus? For one, the importance that Jesus has been exalted is that it authenticates Jesus as the Messiah, as the chosen Savior that God has sent into this world. Think about it. If Jesus was crucified and laid in the grave and he never rose again, then what would set him apart from others of other religions like Muhammad or Buddha? He too would have just been a good teacher who then dies and remains in the grave. But the fact that God raised him from the dead, has exalted him, shows that this, in fact, is God's chosen Messiah, the one that God has appointed to save a people for himself. So the exaltation plays an important role in authenticating the ministry of Jesus Christ. It proves that what Jesus said during his ministry on this earth was, in fact, true. Jesus conquered the grave and he rose again because he was the chosen Messiah. He was the savior of the world who the Old Testament scriptures foretold. He had come and this was the savior. So God exalted him also in that he revealed his glory before the world. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it proved to the world that this was God's chosen savior. He was not any mere man who died on the cross and who was trying to lead a rebellion against the Roman 
authorities. This was the very God of very God. The Word became flesh, who was crucified and was then raised again. So the exaltation of Jesus Christ, the, the fact that he was raised from the dead, uh, proves to us that he was God's chosen Messiah. The Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians that if there was no resurrection, then we as Christians are to be pitied more than any men. The resurrection, the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is fundamental to our faith, and it sets us apart from all other world religions in a very significant way. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verses 23 to 24, at the end of Peter's uh, sermon, he says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So here, uh, Paul, uh, as Peter is preaching in Acts chapter 2, he tells them that this very Jesus, who you crucified like a criminal, in fact, God has vindicated him and has raised him up. So it's not that Christ has been made more God by his death. He still remains the eternal son who always was and who always will be. But rather, he has been made manifest. It has been made known to the whole world who the Messiah was. You may remember that in the Old Testament, the scriptures uh, foretold that God would send a Messiah. And those who read the Old Testament scriptures uh, were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come. And so this is God's way of proclaiming to the world that his Messiah has come and that God has put his approval upon him by raising him up. So he is exalted in this way that he has been made manifest to the world. But he has also been exalted in the name that he has been given. Notice with me again at the end of verse 9. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. This is the second way in which Jesus has been exalted. We ought to worship him because, because God has exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name. We see that the, the name that he has been given uh, is revealed to us actually in verse 11. And every tongue, verse 11 says, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the name that Jesus has been given is this title of Lord. He has been called Lord. Now, as we read the scriptures in the translated form, in the English translations, we sometimes may lose the significance of what is being said to us here by the Apostle Paul in verses 9 and verse 11. What does it mean that Jesus has been given this name uh, of Lord? Why is it so significant? And why is the Apostle Paul saying that this is the name that is above every name? Uh, we may remember this morning uh, that Pastor Thomas was preaching that uh, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray that hallowed be thy name and, and praying to God the Father. So then, is this name of Jesus above the name of God the Father? Is there a contradiction? Well, we should say a resounding not at all, as the Apostle Paul may say. 
It is not that Jesus has been made above the Father, but that, again, it's a matter of the plan of salvation that has been revealed for us. And so, just for the sake of appreciating the significance, the, the name that is given here, uh, we, we say that Jesus is Lord in verse 11. In the Greek, we get curious, the title curious. Jesus Christ is called curious. And the equivalent of that is Adonai. And so we know that in the Old Testament, the Jews would not use the name Yahweh, but they would rather, call, they would rather refer to him as Adonai. Uh, the name Yahweh was a holy name and one that they did not want to profane. And so they avoided uh, actually saying Yahweh. Instead, they would say Adonai. Though the scriptures would, would be written and it would say Yahweh, they would say Adonai. Adonai is also the title Lord that they would, uh, they would refer to God. And so what Paul is telling us here in Philippians chapter 2 is that this title, God has, been, uh, God has revealed Jesus Christ as the Lord. He has revealed himself as very God of very God by being raised from the dead. He has revealed his true identity and given him this name, this name that we are to call upon in order to be saved. If we look at Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we notice something very interesting. And if you would, we can briefly turn there. Revelation chapter 4, and, and then we'll turn over to chapter 5 very quickly. You'll notice with me that there is a song that is being sung. In verse 8, Revelation chapter 4, uh, the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then verse 11 uh, they, they sing praises to God. Worthy are you, O our Lord and God. But if you flip over to chapter 5 and verse 9, chapter 5, verse 9, they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll, uh, skipping down, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. This is significant, what we see in Revelation, because after Jesus' uh, death on the cross and his resurrection, we see there's a new song in heaven. They are worshipping the risen Christ, the Lamb who was slain, who purchased for himself a people. This is the Jesus that Philippians chapter 2 is talking about. And so it's significant for us because we see that shift, that we see it in Revelation chapter 4 and, and chapter 5. We see how that Song. There is now a new song being sung in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. The events of the cross are significant. They change the course of history. And, and we see that this is the name that was given to Jesus. It is not a new name, but it's the revelation. It has been made clearer to uh, the whole world. Before it was a mystery, but it has now been revealed in Jesus Christ. The significance of the name, as we already heard this morning, is that it reveals the character of God. Jesus Christ is called Lord, and we even see that the Apostle Paul, on his way uh, to Damascus, when he falls, he says, Who are you, Lord? as he addresses Jesus. Jesus Christ has been made known to the world as the Savior of the world, the one who has come 
to rescue people from their sins. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, when the angel is telling Mary that she will conceive uh, Jesus Christ in her, in her womb, he says to her, uh, he says, the angel says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus or he will save his people from their sins. The title, the name Jesus that is given, Yeshua, means Yahweh saves. Jesus was given this title because of the mission that he had come to accomplish. Jesus was given the name Yeshua because he is the one who is going to rescue the people. By his very own blood, which he shed on the cross, he purchased a people for himself. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 also tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. There is something to be said about this name of God. It is important who we cry out to. It is important to note who is the object of our faith. You can think of, of, of a child. This church is blessed with so many little children. And oftentimes when you hear them crying, what are the words you're hearing? Mama, mama. And oftentimes the mother knows that it's their child. Even if they may not see them, they know the voice of their children crying out, Mama. And so we too, when we cry out, we ought to cry out to Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, it is important that you cry out to him for deliverance from your sins, because he alone can save you from your sins. No other power, no other God of this world can save you. So we have seen in the first place that we ought to worship the risen Savior for he has been exalted. He has been exalted by God the Father himself. He has been made known to the world as the Savior of the world. But in the second place, we see that we should worship the risen Savior because he is Lord. Because he is Lord. And look with me at verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Again, we, we see that this, these two verses are linked to what we have been told in verse 9, that God has exalted Jesus and given him this name that is above every name for a particular purpose, that at the name of Jesus, at the proclamation of the gospel, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is speaking of an already but not yet reality, in the sense that right now people can put their faith in Jesus Christ. They can bow their knee in submission to Jesus Christ and worship him as they know him as the risen Savior. They can confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord over their lives. But we know that this is not a reality that is currently true for the whole universe. We know that there are people who live their lives as if this reality were not true. We know that there are people of other religions who worship other gods. But we also know of nominal Christians who claim that they believe in Jesus Christ, but they have all other kinds of idols that they worship. But not so on that final day, when Jesus Christ will come back for a second time at that day, and that's what's spoken about, when this will be fulfilled in its entirety, 
at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow on that day. If you've ever had a fainting episode or, or something similar like that, you know that your knees begin to get weak and then they give way. At that point, you don't have control and you just fall to the ground. It's something like that. At that point, when Jesus Christ comes back for the second time, nobody will be able to resist because at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee, whether on heaven or on earth or under the earth, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. And so the church has an important ministry in this lifetime because as a redeemed people, as a people of God, we proclaim this reality, but we also live out this reality. We live our lives in a way that we say to the world that we confess Jesus Christ as Lord in this church, in our lives, in the way we conduct ourselves. We confess Jesus Christ as Lord over our lives. But we know that on this side of eternity, we too as Christians struggle with this reality. That many times we live our lives in a way that does not reflect that we truly believe that Jesus is Lord over our lives. We know that we struggle with idols. We struggle with so many other things that, that contend for that first place in our hearts. And in so doing, we do not proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord over that particular area of our lives. And that may be for you. Uh, it could be education. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be any good thing, but that it's become an idol for you. But even that area of life, Jesus should be Lord over. Every area of our lives ought to be under the submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But we also have the important responsibility of evangelizing, of proclaiming this good news to all that will hear, to all that will hear and, in a sense, voluntarily submit to Jesus Christ. We know that even the faith that we have is a gift from God, but it's better to submit to Jesus Christ in this lifetime, before the return of Christ, when every knee will bow. And at that point, there will be no choice. And at that point, it will be too late when the Son of Man returns. Because every knee will bow, and the ones who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ will stand condemned before the Father and will spend eternity being tormented for their rebellion. Think about it. God has sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. He has proclaimed this beautiful gospel. He has exalted his son that we may worship him. What will be the consequences if we reject such a great savior? You may already be in Christ, but think about it about for those people out there who do not know him. I plead to you children this afternoon, think about this great gospel. Today is the day to repent and believe in the Savior Jesus Christ because we do not know what tomorrow holds. We do not know how long we will live. We cannot say that I will repent and believe when I'm 20 or 30 because we do not know when this day will come when Jesus Christ returns and is revealed in his glory once again. You will turn with me to Psalm 45, verses 22 to, to 24. 
sorry, I said Psalm. Uh, I meant to say Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. And I'll read verse 22 to 23. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 to 23. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. This is a fulfillment, a partial fulfillment we may say in Philippians, as, as Paul is quoting Isaiah chapter 45. He is connecting what Yahweh said there in Isaiah chapter 45, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And so the Apostle Paul is making that connection, that when God spoke through the prophet Isaiah in chapter, chapter 45 there, he was speaking of the Messiah who would one day come and be lifted up and ultimately, at his, at his return, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But lastly, notice with me in verse 11 that this is all to the glory of God the Father. When we are dealing with, with, the, with the Trinity, it's, it's sometimes a difficult task because we want to be sure that we do not fall into one heresy or another. As we focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ, we never want to undermine or, or um, say anything about God the Father that would not be true. And so we are reminded here that God the Father is the one who has exalted Jesus Christ. He has revealed him as his Messiah, as the Savior of the world, but that at the name of Jesus, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses, that all the glory goes to God the Father. So we always want to remember that in this work of salvation, it's a, a work of the triune God, a work of, the, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we should never think that when we focus on any one person of the Trinity that we are neglecting the other. We always want to remember the, the role that they play in our redemption and in our sanctification. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells us, who enables us to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because unless he does that work in us, we would not be able to do that. So even as we, we consider that Jesus Christ has been exalted above uh, and has been given the name above all names and that our fitting response is to worship him, we do not forget the work of God the Father and the work of God the Holy Spirit who indwells us. So as we come to a close this afternoon, I want us to remember that we should worship the risen Savior because God has exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. A name that is above every name on heaven and on earth and on under the earth. And that one day he will return to reclaim his bride. And that if we are in Jesus Christ, we will be united to him. 
And so may God help us in our worship. May God help us in the way we live our lives, that we may constantly be assessing ourselves and asking ourselves, is Jesus Christ Lord even in this area of our lives? Are we confessing that Jesus is Lord the way we live our lives? And are we taking every opportunity to proclaim the good news of the gospel whenever God presents us that opportunity? Let us pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent into this world to die for our sins and who you resurrected from the dead and you have exalted him, seated him on the right hand of the Father. We thank you for this great salvation that is ours and we pray that you would continue to bring to yourself all those whom you have chosen and that you would use us to this effect. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.